Okay, this episode is all set to go. Where is Sheldon? We're supposed to record soon. Wow, we really gotta get that door fixed. Hi, Mike. Sorry I'm late. Traffic was nuts. Who are you? Hmm? Oh, <laughs> for, <laughs> sorry. Forgot about the hood. There. Sh- Sh- Sheldon? Yeah. So, are we all ready to go or what? I need to get out of here pretty early. I've got dinner reservations. What the hell? Mike, don't stare. It's rude. Why do you look like a Jawa? You're in a robe and you're three feet tall. Hey, don't exaggerate. I'm at least three, four. What happened to you? <sighs> okay, well, since it's obvious you're not going to drop it, I was on my way over here and I died. What? Yeah, it was the craziest thing. This ice cream truck came out of nowhere and next thing you know, I'm at a funeral home stuck in a barrel. I heard some guys talking about slaves and another planet or something. Anyway, there's some kind of commotion and the funeral home imploded. But not before my barrel fell over and the top came off. So I just left and walked straight here. So come on, man. It's time to record. But but you're you're okay with this? Too bad. I mean, I'm gonna have to get new clothes. The only thing I have that fits right now is this robe. But what about your wife? What's she gonna think? I'm sure she'll adjust. Besides, I'm still big where it counts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Huh? Huh? Really? No. Not really. It's significantly smaller, actually. Huh. So, how many times have you died now? Four? Actually, yeah, five. I'll just hit the music. Welcome to the Graveyard Shift Horror Podcast, where each week we watch a horror movie suggested by one of our listeners and we break it down into the good, the bad, and whatever category we decide to make up along the way. We'll talk about the plot, some production details, and anything else we find fun or relevant. I'm your host, Sheldon, and I never worked a Graveyard Shift alone. Please say hello to the guy that thought the movie this week was a niche porno called Fatgasm, and it led to a very awkward conversation. My co-host, Mike. Hey, everybody. Yeah. You gonna be okay, buddy? <sighs> I just wanted to see those fats get gasmed. I know. I know. Maybe next time. All right. So, Mike, how have you been? Uh, pretty good, promoting the hell out of uh, one of our recent episodes. Yeah. it's uh, Everybody's on board with that episode, man. That's, that's great. It's good to see such a reaction to it. Oh, uh, yeah, well... And the good news is we can't take all the credit for it. Courtney was pretty friggin' awesome on that show. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I have no doubt that this uh, that episode's popularity is mainly due to her, for sure. <laughs> and I'm confident enough in my gender to accept that. Well, that's good. Okay, well, we have got a whole new movie to talk about this time. One that's been on the list for quite some time, so I'm excited to talk about it. So why don't you tell everyone what we got for them this week? Today's episode is Mike's Magic Misadventures at Morningside, because we watched Phantasm. We sure did. Not Fatgasm, Phantasm. We won't be making that mistake again. So, before we get into any details, Mike, what do you think about this one? 
confusing, weird, but considering we've seen a lot of movies that are terrible because they're confusing and weird, this one was okay despite being really confusing and weird and unexplained. Yeah. So I had a decent time with it despite the numerous inquiries it left me with. Yeah. Um, this one, like I said, this one was on our list for a long time, but it's been on my own personal list for a long time. Like, this is one that, uh, I know it's a, it's a horror classic and everybody tells me, you know, you got to see this and I know all the references to it. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that Phantasm made popular. And when I see it, it's like, I have no doubt that's from Phantasm. I recognize it, but this is the first time that I actually sat down and watched a movie from start to finish. Um, so it was good, and I gotta say, like, yeah, despite, of course, there is some confusing things, and there's some unanswered questions, um, and, uh, I gotta say, they tricked me, because <laughs> there's a couple of times where you think, like, oh, it was, insert, you know, movie trope here, boo, and then all of a sudden it goes, nope, we gotcha, it actually wasn't, it was this movie trope here, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into that you know I, anyone that's seen a movie probably knows what i'm talking about but we'll get into more details but uh, overall i liked it like i can see why this became like a horror classic so looking forward to talking about it but before we get into our usual breakdown here is a little info on phantasm released in march of 1979 phantasm is a wait for it american science fantasy horror film that was written, directed, filmed, and edited by Don Corscorelli, which Autocrypt keeps trying to turn into Costco relish every time I try to type it. I guess <laughs> that would be what? Like, just a giant bucket of relish? It had a run for an, for an affordable bulk rate. <laughs> yeah. It had a runtime of 89 minutes, which is perfect. It is rated R due to boobies. It had a budget of 300k. And that was turned into a profit of $12 million at the box office, so that is pretty impressive. It's one of the longest-running horror franchises ever, um, with the most recent entry in the series released just back in 2016, so only three years ago. Rotten Tomatoes gives this one a 73% for a critic score and an audience score of 67%. So, uh, far from the worst we've seen. And not a big disparity either. No, really not. Now, as for the plot, and oh boy. Uh, this is going to be watered down, trust me. A supernatural and malevolent undertaker who turns the dead of Earth into dwarf zombie slaves is sent to his planet, who, to be sent to his planet, uh, is opposed by a young boy who tries to convince his older brother and family friend of the threat. So, like I said, a bit watered down. Um, we'll get into more details, of course. We're going to do like we always do. We're going to break this down into the good and the bad, and uh, maybe a few things that just are unclassifiable. <laughs> but anyway, like always, we start with the good, and we start with the Mike. So, Mike, tell me something good about Phantasm. Well, we watched this not uh we didn't quite watch this alone we had a friend watching this movie with us and that was joe bob briggs we sure did and the first thing i enjoyed was him telling you right off the bat which narcotics you are going to need <laughs> depending on which state you live in 
And he got specific with the strains. Like you need to get like some, you need to start with diesel for a start. And then around the mid midway point, you got to, you got to shift over to green crack, let that mellow you up. But then you need to focus back. So you'll be taking some OG Kush near the end. Mm-hmm. He gave uh, recommendations whether, what did he say, uh, depending on whether you live in a Colorado state or a Texas state. <laughs> yeah. If you live in a Texas state, then you want to get some PBR, but then you're going to want to get some, like, some tequila sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he ends with, like, green crack, not actual crack. The only crack that you should ever have is the one that's sticking out of your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we watched this one on Shudder. So if you've got the uh, if you've got the Shudder app, all, uh, all the Phantasms are available right there. Except it, two, which is weird. It's, it is on the app. It's just not on the, uh, the Joe Bob special. I, I looked for, I typed in Phantasm before, and I saw Phantasm, Phantasm 3, 4, 5. But two was missing from my search. Oh, it was on there. Maybe it's not there anymore. Anyway, I, I know I saw it at one point because uh, I had them all marked. But yeah, you're right. Now I'm looking at it. Actually, looked it up, and uh, it's it was. It's no longer. Phantasm two is no longer there. Yeah, and he actually mentioned at the at the during his review, there's a reason that they're not covering Phantasm two. So, I think like like something happened at Shutter, and they uh, they told Joe Bob about it. So there must have been some rights or something weird. Maybe I know that happened with Joe Bob with um, when he used to do uh, Monster Vision way back, like back in the nineties, and uh, they were doing a Friday the Thirteenth marathon, and they couldn't get uh, they couldn't get the rights to Part Four, <laughs> so they did one, two, three, five, and six. <laughs> so remember those Dream Warriors that beat him at the end of three, and then none of them showed up at five. Let's just forget that. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so we watch this uh, because it you can watch it just normal way, like just regular theatrical format, or do it the way that we did with the Joe Bob special because it just makes everything that much better. Yeah, but uh, specifically towards the movie, uh, the 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 uh, the phantasm himself, or as I like to call him, seven foot tall riffraff, mm-hmm. because I, I was just trying to focus on looking at him and not imagining him going, it's astounding. (laughs) Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. Yeah, I didn't even get that until you... When you said that, like, you know, seven-foot-tall riffraff, I'm like, what the fuck is Mike talking about? (laughs) I totally didn't get the reference at first. So I had to actually think about it to get that you're making a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show reference. Like, when he first shows up, like, besides the close-up, like, when uh, they're at the funeral, and he just, like, makes his surprise by putting his hand on someone's shoulder, which, why do people do that in movies? Like, just say, like, like, speak to a person, don't startle the fuck out of them. Yeah. But when he does, he's like a pirate. He just, like, leans in and he's like, yeah, the funeral is about to begin, sir. Yeah, he's, um... I don't know if they made him that awkward on purpose because he's actually an alien. So maybe, <laughs> you know, he doesn't have the uh, what's actually acceptable mannerisms down pat just yet. <laughs> Even though we find out that he's actually been on Earth for quite some time. Oh, he he's good at being creepy. Like, like, talk, like whipping around a coffin, a fully packed coffin under one arm like Nosferatu. Yeah. And, and, um, and then at one point a kid... 
Mike is on his motorbike going through the cemetery and Riff Raff just, just gives him a full carry moment by staring at him and knocking him off his motorbike. But he decides not to chase him or kill him. So he's shown his powers to this kid and just decided, oh, I'll deal with him later. Right. But my best part before, like, just to, just because, like, this is like a, a four-point thing on one guy. When Mike sees him in town and he's doing that reservoir dog strut down the sidewalk in slow motion. Mm-hmm. He's like got, he's just like throwing his arms and his legs out, and I'm just thinking like ding 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 ding. So he's a a creepy as fuck villain. So yeah, you know he's good. Angus Scrim too. He only died like recently, and when I say recently, I mean like it was. I think it was probably two years ago or so. Because I just remember because I follow all the horror news and stuff. So of course when a like a someone that played a popular horror character dies. Like, I mean, we get all the updates. But yeah, he died... Actually, I just looked it up. He died in 2016, like three years ago, and he was 89. Um, and what? <laughs> the first thing that just popped into my mind is that he was 89. You mean he wasn't 89 in 1979 <laughs> when this movie came out? <laughs> well, shit. But yeah, he uh, he was a good creepy character. I liked him. Yeah, well, the short clothes that he wore to make him look even taller—like he's already six foot four—but then they're just like, "How about we put you in a five foot ten man suit?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like all his clothes got like shrunk in the dryer. Okay, so what have we got first on the on the good list and? Uh, Despite having some very common horror movie tropes, this is a very original story. I mean, think about it. Okay, so this very tall man comes from, is an alien that finds a portal to Earth and comes to Earth and poses as a mortician so that he can take our recently dead and shrink them down into dwarfs so he can transport them back to his home planet to use as slave labor. Like, I mean, it's unique. It's batshit crazy, and definitely the result of somebody's LSD dream. But that's an original fucking story. Yeah, this Come was on. like a teenager's first trip. Oh yeah, like for sure. he came well, as soon as he came down. He's just like, I need to write this fucking shit now. He was at uh, this guy. The, the, the uh, director was at some party. Somebody was taking like hidden. It, you know, took some LSD. Falls on the floor and is like, tall alien shrinking the dead to bring to use as slaves. And he's just like, fuck, I gotta write this down. (laughs) Yeah, he just sees some guy take some angel dusted PCP laden reefer. And while the guy's like foaming at the mouth, he's spitting out all these words. And the guy's just like, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me get a pencil. Why are you gonna like give him like a tracheotomy so he can breathe? No, 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 I need to write this shit down. This is gold. Yeah, so like I'll give him that, and like I said, it's uh, he was nineteen when he when he shot nineteen years old and shooting this movie. Yeah, o- over weekends. Yeah, this so, is the reason why it took like it took like two years to make this movie because he can only shoot during weekends. And it came out in nineteen seventy eight. So that's what the uh, the copyright said. Yeah, I didn't, don't think it actually. I think that's when it got copyrighted, but uh, I don't think it actually got released until seventy nine. 
But uh, and it's just a total coincidence that there's Jawas in it. <laughs> just a total coincidence, absolutely. That the filming began ostensibly in 1977, and it has nothing to do with a movie that featured short guys in robes with chi- with chipmunk voices. Total coincidence. And they lived on a desert planet where they where they did low end jobs. Yeah. But total coincidence. Absolutely, it was. Ah, uh, so uh, a little positive, a little positive aside for me is that this had a better guitar break than Sleepaway Camp for sure. <laughs> yeah, because oh, just mean... out, for no reason, two guys just sit down on an amp that's just plugged in outside at at, at a convenience store, right? Or is it uh, an ice cream shop? Or I think it was. I okay. From what I get, of course, because Reggie is an ice cream man, and I think, yeah, he's selling ice cream for this. I couldn't tell if it was, like, a convenience store or an actual, like, ice cream shop, and he's just, like, you know, the ice cream man for this shop that, like, takes their brand of ice cream or whatever on the road. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, but... uh, (laughs) They have an amp just plugged in outside just because. Yeah. Um, Uh. okay. So, I, like, as a teenager, was playing music, was, like, you know, learned to play guitar and everything like that. I'm going to say just around, like, me and my friend Rick, who's been on the show before, uh, that would have been nothing for us to be sitting outside with, like, an amp or, like, sometimes, like, a full band, four-piece band, (laughs) like, two guitars, mics, drums, bass, all cooked up to, like, our buddy's backyard uh, basketball court and just jamming outside, so... (laughs) <laughs> to me, that wasn't quite. That wasn't so weird. Yeah, for a movie though, it's a little jarring because you're just like, oh wow, there's this shape shifting funeral dude, and now we're just going to listen to some guy do like his own <laughs> uh, James Frampton impersonation. And you know these guys, and they record. They they filmed the scene as soon as uh, the director yelled cut. They start handing out flyers and say, "Hey, you know, you can drop by. You're gonna be at we're gonna bar, at the, at the, playing at the bar this weekend. You can drop by. It's five dollar cover or I got, whatever." I got some Matrix in my trunk if you like. If you like what you heard, yeah. we're playing for tips. <laughs> also, something uh, else I can make fun of because I've also done that. <laughs> so. Okay, so what else did you like? Um, I liked for. I know they had a $300,000 budget because, you know, it's certainly not the lowest budget movie we've covered. Um, and this guy came from, like, pretty rich parents. Apparently his parents financed this whole thing, or at least they financed it, or, like, his, his father was a businessman who got, like, some other business owners to help finance it. Um, this was the third movie that he financed, and the dad's just like, I'm running out of money, kid. Yeah. I mean, it did have, like, it didn't have a high-quality look. Like, it wasn't as... as uh, the production value didn't look as high as some other movies at the time. Um, but I must say, like, the uh, the cinematography, like, it was... In some places, the editing was weird. But the actual look, like, the actual filming, the cinematography, was actually pretty well done. This kid was competent for a teenager. Absolutely. So, yeah, like, it was... Sh- I thought it was shot really well. Like, I mean, like I said, like, I think they were restricted by, like, the quality, maybe, like, the cameras you could get. Uh, some of the editing was uh, a little weird, like not great in some areas. I think he was a better director and uh, cinematographer than editor. 
But some of these shots were really good, especially in the funeral home in the actual mausoleum. Like, some of these long shots looked fantastic. Uh, especially one in particular where um, the lead character, Mike, is in the uh, standing in, uh, in the mausoleum and the, uh, the tall man steps into frame in the background and starts walking towards him. That's like, a menacing shot. It is. That was, like, really well done. So, like, like you said, like, uh, this guy was definitely competent beyond his years. Like, I mean, this is, uh, he was showing his, he was showing his chops for sure. Oh, yeah, and the, 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 there was a, a nice supporting character, the, uh, what was the, what was the, what was Mike's brother's name? Jody? Joby? Jo- Jody. Jody, who uh, looks like the love child of David Hasselhoff and Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. I said, oh my god, here it's like. I said, uh, it looks like uh, if every rock, if every rock actor from the seventies threw up, it looked like this guy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh. and uh, no, I'm gonna say I'll talk about this later, but. Yeah, uh, this guy. I just, is... I just opened up IMDb because, like, uh, I like to have like some some info about the movie on my screen while we're talking about it, just for some quick references. And uh, the guy that played Jody, um, his name is uh, Bill Thornberry, and his his IMDb picture, his main picture, is the pic is the scene you were just talking about where they're just sitting in front of the convenience store playing guitar. <laughs> so he peaked at this point, apparently. Uh, the uh this guy's got some key moments like when he's making out with the hot lavender lady in lavender Mm -hmm. who decides to take him to the cemetery for a little fool around and because who doesn't like to get laid in the cemetery (laughs) well yeah like the place needs more stiffs so he's he's with her and things are going well like she's showing her knockers and that's great but then when mike gets chased out of the woods by a jawa because mike is just like watching his brother hook up and i guess because you know they didn't have the internet in the 70s yeah so this is the only porn you can get (laughs) just just walk around town looking for somebody to hook up outside and just wait and hide so the uh, he gets chased out of the woods, running and screaming, and he, like he has to scream about three times before the, the guy gets out of his his trance. But when he comes up, he's got panties in his teeth, and but he wasn't he wasn't like he just pulled them off of her and he's going down on her. This guy was laying on top of her, meaning he was making out with her with these panties in his mouth. I think it was his first time, Mike. <laughs> Uh. Even the <laughs> so, um, like you could the only time you have your panties in your teeth in your teeth is when you're pulling them off and like you're just like backing away yeah, from the legs. Was, yeah, before you spit them out. He was nowhere when he jumped up, popped up. He was nowhere near her like bottom half. <laughs> no, he was laying on top of her, perfectly <laughs> yeah. vertical. Even <laughs> I have to make a note over here because I watched this with my wife. And she, she just said, "What the fuck were they doing? Why is this were they like both chewing on her panties at the same time?" 
Oh yeah, this lavender lady fucks weird. But we're going to talk about that in the in the next section because I I have got like I've got a whole I've got a whole rant based on the way that this lady fucks in cemeteries. Oh, but we're, we're we're in the praise section right now, so we're going to keep it positive. Yeah. And Mike also has a another line like when. Uh, Michael, tell or yeah, Jody. For, yeah. for a second, I thought you were referring to yourself in the third person. <laughs> Mike's got something else to say about this. Mike, Mike is confused. So Jody is asking, like, yeah, Mike is trying. Mike, a thirteen-year-old kid is fixing his what was it, a barracuda? Yeah, he's fixing a barracuda car. And again, thirteen years old with no supervision. Like, if you're gonna have a teen, a, pre, a teen kid help you out, yeah, like help. Don't make him do it himself. But no, like this kid is given way too much agency. Uh, but then the car gets dropped on him. He crawls out and he tells Jody, like, someone was trying to kill me, like one of those weird dwarf things. And he goes, "Are you sure it wasn't that retarded kid down the street?" Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> No, like you're you're just assuming that the neighborhood kid with a special condition just walked into your home, jumped on the car, nearly killed your brother, and you would rather accept that. Yeah. As. <laughs> and even if that was the fact that it was this, you know, some special needs kid, still something you should probably be concerned about. <laughs> yeah, like you should be locking your doors just to keep the, or at least like encourage your neighbor who. Oh, who is the guardian of this kid, you know, put a leash on him or something because he's wandering the streets. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, tether him to a tree in the backyard or something. Get him some fresh air, but, you know, watch out for him. He's wandering. <laughs> all I can, protect protect you, this kid. When you said that, all I can think of... Uh, you remember Mike? This, kid, this skit that Mike Myers did for uh, Saturday Night Live where... He was this kid in the playground. He was tethered to like the jungle gym, and he was wearing. Oh yeah, and he's like jumping from one side to the other to the other. He's he's just he's bouncing around. (laughs) He says (laughs) he tells the lady, "says I'm hyperglyc I'm I'm hyperactive and hyperglycemic. I'm a hyper hypo." (laughs) (laughs) That's who this kid is. This is the hyper hypo kid. He he's the unseen hero of the story. (laughs) Maybe he's in Phantasm too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's Jody. Oh my god. And okay, this this should be in the bad, but I'm gonna put it in the good because <laughs> yeah. I laughed so hard at this. I can't help it. Like I've got so many bad things that made the good list simply because they're just fucking ridiculous. I'm gonna put it in the good list. Fuck it, because like this is like I. If you have no interest in watching this movie, just go. I should have time stamped it because like this. Should go to the scene and just watch this one like ten second clip, and it uh, pertains to like exactly what you're just talking about when Mike is trapped under the car, and you know thinks he's being attacked by something, you know, and he's being attacked by one of the things to chase him in the woods. So he grabs a hammer, and he whacks <laughs> his brother on the foot. <laughs> and honestly, the expression on Jody's face when he gets hit in the foot with a hammer. I, I want to take a screenshot it and like make it like the background for my phone because it is the best. I had to play it back and pause it and I just lay back on the couch and laugh because it is so ridiculous. It is the most, you just got smashing a foot with a hammer and he, ah, 
<laughs> the look on his face. <laughs> oh my god, it is like a Jim Carrey-esque expression. Alrighty then, my foot. I'm going to go to the hospital. Oh, and he recovers way too quick, and considering like, that this kid, this kid, is, if he's attacking with survival adrenaline, that toe is smashed. He has a fractured metatarsal. Yeah, and he's like, he screams and falls back, and then, what are you doing under there? And I'm like, this is so, so bad that it deserves its spot in, like, in the good category. <laughs> Like I'm oh. not, I'm not even upset. Like I'm impressed that somebody could act out a scene that bad, that poorly. Uh. Yeah. It's uh, the movie makes me feel good to know that somebody with my limited acting skills could potentially end up in a you know class, end up being in a movie that becomes a classic horror movie. <laughs> because, goddamn. Oh, Mike is. Yeah, we've talked about the villain, we've talked about the sidekick, now the hero, Mike. He's 13, it's established that this kid is 13. Mm-hmm. He is given a shotgun, Yep. instructions in you, its use. <laughs> you don't point a gun at a man unless you intend to kill him. And you don't shoot at a man unless you intend to kill. Yeah. And uh, he, he's given the instructions, he's allowed to drive, he drives repeatedly. Oh yeah. And he comes home to a beer... After walking home from an attack, and then the brother puts him in his room, and then he MacGyvers an exploding hammer. (laughs) (laughs) That somehow doesn't kill him. Literally, too, it's funny you should say that. that I have in my notes, it's like, this guy MacGyvered something before MacGyver. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. The, uh... it, It led, at one point, while he's driving... The brother shoot like the brother gets attacked by basically the uh, the predecessor to the car, mm-hmm. which is the hearse, and he shoots the engine. So, um, frig, was it? Yeah, th- I think the uh, it ran into a tree and then it just exploded, leading me to ask, did Pinto make hearses? <laughs> okay, no, I'm no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to jump categories. We're going to talk about the good, goddammit, first. <laughs> We're going to. <laughs> Use the following oh, yeah. good. The shotgunning in this in this movie is great because the brother comes in, shoots down one of these weird death orbs, which we're going to get into at some point. I'm sure one of us is going to talk about the death orb. Yep. Because <clears throat> I got I got a part about it, but one thing at a time. And you know that it's an actual shotgun being used because after it's used to destroy the thing, you get to see the barrel smoking afterwards. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt that these guys are just firing off real guns in this movie. Yeah, it's like, that's why this movie can only be made for about $300,000, because they don't they don't have time to buy props. Like, I've got one more big good, but I think it's... I think you're going to get to it, too, so... I'll uh, let you have your... I'm going to say that these... Especially considering that, like, everything was done locally, and uh, it was basically, like, this... Movie was done guerrilla style. The effects were pretty good. Yes. I full on like I mean not everything was perfect, but like I said, they were limited to what they had access to. And uh, first of all, creating like just just to, like to come up with the idea of like the death orb was something that become has 
literally become like an iconic image in horror. Just like as soon as you see these things, you know what they are. It's like, hey, that's the orb from Phantasm. Well, it also looks like it also looks like a prototype of the uh, the interrogation droid from also <laughs> from yeah. Star Wars. It uh, certainly does, like a like a more uh, streamlined interrogation droid. <laughs> um, but just this thing, like that, you know, you got these like little sentinels protecting the place, um, not doing a great job because they only seem to appear like occasionally, <laughs> but and kill the wrong people when they do. <laughs> they killed, yeah, they killed one of the employees. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I sent you a couple of pictures of it. Like I was just surprised as fuck when they showed up, and, and considering how great they look, and and the close up, like the the talk about the special effects when it shows it an up close shot of it clamping onto someone's head and drilling their brain, you get to see you get to see flesh wrapping around the drill as yeah. blood gushes out the other side. It's like a fucking juicer. It clamps, it purees, it juices, but wait, there's more. Like, so much more. So much more blood. And as a bonus, it makes you piss yourself. <laughs> yes, that also happened. <laughs> now I know what you're asking. Why would we stock these death spheres at a cemetery and sell them to you at cheap prices? The answer to both is we're fucking crazy. Yeah, so, um... I want to get those. I've actually seen those for sale. Like, uh, Replica Death Orbs comes in a nice, like, little velvet-lined box, and it's got the orbs inside. I want to get that. Uh, thank God for Etsy. So, yeah, like, uh, like I said, that, and that's just one of the effects. There's some great effects. Um, you, you know, I mean, like, not, not a lot of money was spent to effects, but like I said, for what they had to work with, and the time restraints, all their restrictions, like, everything yeah, that I thought fingers. was... Yeah, that was good. Yeah, we get to see if some fingers crawling around in a box, and it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> One time it kind of looked a little cheap was when the finger turns into a big black rubber fly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm like okay, we we can tell which one of these were shot out of order because this is clearly where the money ran out. Yeah, <laughs> but everything else before then was like gold. Like they made great use of their budget. They just clearly ran out of budget at one point. Yeah, for sure. So that was. <laughs> I had to make a note. It was like when they when the, the whole scene with the fly when they have the fly trapped in the jacket and they're trying to carry it to the kitchen. It's, it's like, just them wrestling with a clumped up jacket. How many times did they have to redo that scene? <laughs> there's, this had to be like the 10th try because there's no way they were doing this with a straight face the entire time. <laughs> or accidentally like plowing into each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, um, yeah, I think I've covered all the good. I don't think there's anything else really like noteworthy. I mean, like they did, did good for what, what they had. Did we mention the music? Um, no. Well, the music. It wasn't, like, iconic, but, you know, it never felt jarring out of place or made me think, like, why the fuck are they playing this? Like, it, it was just sh straight down the line, decent music. All the time. Kept you in the state you were supposed to be. It was music that had a certain mood, and it fit the frame. Yeah. They threaded the needle. They They nailed it. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Like it, uh, it fit, and it was uh, all decent. All right. So if that covers are good, then by God, yes, let's get into the bad. 
Because oh, uh, while I certainly give this uh, this movie is certainly gets a gets a pass for me, like it is, uh, I give it a passing grade. Um, not without some very big flaws, and I'm gonna t- take on the biggest one I think right away. Um, oh my God, the acting in this movie. <laughs> We've seen some bad acting. You know, we're what? We're 90 episodes in right now? And uh, possibly 91? I'm not even sure. This is our 91. Okay. And more often than not, like, the acting is not going to be winning any awards. You know, it's varying degrees of bad. Some And some have been fine. It's been like, you know, they, these people are decent actors. These people are okay. Sometimes the budget reflects, like, you know, the actors that they can get. Um, I think that very little of the budget of this movie was spent (laughs) went to the actors or i could be wrong because actually there are no actors in this movie they're all friends of the director (laughs) i think the only one that actually was an actor was angus yeah and he and he did the best acting which was just like throw his head back open his eyes a bit and just look foreboding and fill up a door frame yeah because I know the the lead character Mike, he was in stuff, but wasn't the only things he he was in previously was some of the other of uh, like uh, Costarelli's uh, first attempted movies. Maybe I think so. I think that's uh, I believe that's what Joe Bob said. So I'll take Joe Bob's word for it. But um, yeah, oh my God, the uh, the acting was terrible like people reacted to situations in ways that you know sometimes you're they're way too calm <laughs> for what's happening on screen um the lines are delivered in a way sometimes that like phoning it in doesn't begin to describe it oh my god do you know what he you know what he's done in los angeles he taught acting classes who mike did mike baldwin Oh, God. Okay. And he's only been in, like, some... Uh, it looks like he's only been in these uh, casserole uh, pictures. <laughs> yeah, Kenny and Company, Phantasm, Phantasm 3, not Phantasm 2, so... Again, Phantasm 2 seems to be missing from a lot of places. Vice Girls, Phantasm 4, Virtual Girl 2, Virtual Vegas. Sounds like a, like a cheap porn PC game from the late 90s. No, and then some other ones. You're forgetting his, uh, you know, his, uh, he, he, one of his greatest roles ever. I mean, something that really put his name on the map. And uh, that was in 1976. He had a guest role on an episode of Starsky and Hutch where he played Boy on Doc. <laughs> was Doc the neighborhood pedophile? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you got to confuse with Boy on Dick, Mike. <laughs> I told you, stop bringing up your porn selections when we're talking about horror movies, okay? I'm sitting on the dock because I'm gay. Okay, so yeah, so uh. I, like, I could get, like, just, you, if you've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you could, these people were not actors by any sense of the word. Um, these, it's the level of acting is like, Hey Mike, we just I just wrote a script for one of our skits. Uh we need you don't no time to read it over. We got to record it right now. <laughs> like uh. I said, it gives me hope. I it, it gives me hope that like, you know, there's still a chance that I could have a breakout role 
in a horror movie at some day because if these guys can do it, I am pretty certain that I could do it. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of bad acting, oh boy, it's time to address the big problem I uh, I foreshadowed earlier: the terrible fuck scene with puzzling logistics. Because this movie begins with, like, a girl lying flat on top of a guy. And usually if someone's going to be on top of someone, they have to brace their knees to get some motion going. But this is, like, flat out lying. Like, this girl is going to sleep on a guy. Not sleeping with a guy. And, like, she, you can see from the tombstone, like, her legs and her kneecaps. So it's not like, it's not like she's, like, again, like, straddling him like cowgirl. It looks like she's laying on top of him, but then when the camera's overhead, it looks like she is cowgirling in because she's like sitting on top of him, like above him. But if you're trying to combine these things, is she doing like some weird yoga upward facing dog position? Yeah, that's what it's and called, then, upward facing dog. And and then when she kills him, we see a close up of one tit while she's like holding up a shirt over the other tit, and I'm like. Really? Now you're modest? <laughs> We're getting one tit alone? And then she stabs him with the dagger. A terrible stabbing all around. Every time this girl has a dagger, she stabs terribly. But you'd think you would two-hand that dagger to really get it in there. And you know what? Just show us the full pair. Daddy needs his symmetry. <laughs> yeah, I'll just chalk that up again to the bad acting. Okay, so what about you? Ooh, boy. I don't even know where to go because, like, that now, like, I've toppled the big one, which is, like, the acting. Um, some of the edit, like, I mentioned it before, while some of the cinematography is done pretty well, uh, some of the editing is really weird, really choppy in places. Oh, like the jarring predator vision you get from the death orbs? Yeah. Uh, there's that. I don't even mind that so much. Like, that was, uh... It was okay, but you think it would be, like you know, let in a bit. It just showed up and it was loud too. It was, like I said, jarring. Yeah. But I mean, just the way some of the, some of the, uh, some of the scenes were spliced together, like just, uh, like scenes end or, uh, abruptly and just cut to another scene, like where it seems like the scene you're watching is not finished yet. <laughs> and. Oh yeah. Like the, uh, like the score, there's some bad editing in the score because Reggie starts playing music while the score is overlapping him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's another note that I made. It's like, yeah, he's playing, he picks up the guitar and starts playing while the background music is still going, and they sound like they don't they don't meld at all. They clash so hard. <laughs> it was hard to listen to. So, yeah, like I said, like he did certainly had some tricks when it came to filming. Uh, give him props for coming up with like a nice original story, but like, yeah, should have took some of that budget and spent it on uh, on an actual editor, like somebody that could have reviewed everything and says, okay, I think this is how we should transition from scene to scene. Yeah, and as much as I liked Mike in this movie, until someone called him by his name, he he didn't speak. He just showed up on like a uh, on a little motor. Uh, what's that? Like a scooter? And would it be a scooter or a motorcycle? I, was just, I think it's just a dirt bike that he had. That's it, dirt bike. Uh, until he spoke, and even like a little after he spoke, until they gave his name, I thought it was Sissy Spacek. <laughs> he has a unique look, we'll say. The 70s was terrible for androgyny. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so, man, let me tell you. I have two older brothers, and I mean, like, a lot older. Like, these guys are, uh, I mean, like, one of them is, you know, uh, more. one of them 17 years older than me. So, like, you know, they grew up in the 70s. And let me tell you, I could show you some childhood pictures <laughs> where <laughs> you'd look at some of the pictures of my brother's kids and say, like, wow, those are some weird-looking little girls. <laughs> oh my god it's hilarious I like to bring them out every once in a while just to remind them of how they looked when they were kids um, okay and so I want to talk about once just one thing that like just why the fuck was this even in this movie the scene with when Mike goes to the fortune teller what the fuck was the purpose of that? Uh, to teach him not to fear. Yeah, okay. I That I understand, but, like, you didn't need to do that. Just have him, like, when it came to that part, like, have him overcome the fear himself. Um, he goes to a fortune teller, which, first of all, wasn't, a, wasn't it a scam? <laughs> didn't it seem like the whole fortune, uh, the fortune teller, the girl with her, her, with her gypsy grandma, didn't it seem like they were just scamming the kid? Yeah. Okay, when they wheeled out the grandmother, when they wheeled out the grandmother, I thought, "Oh wow, Ozzy Osbourne did a cameo," <laughs> and they've got these star stamps on their face, like the old lady and the granddaughter are secretly in the holograms with Jim. Like th- this whole scene is fucked, and they put and they put the kid's hand in what appears to be like a large scale version of that thing they clamp on your finger in the hospital. Oh yeah, but I think the point is just like. To, uh, it's like a hand trap just to teach him like relax and don't like act out of fear but like move forward and... yeah that's what I that's what I actually said like on my notes I said so a larger version of a finger trap yeah don't know why he has to go to a, like what like why was he trusting like if he has a relationship with this old lady they they did a bad job of of, of uh integrating it yeah and they're never mentioned again. Like, it doesn't, doesn't even come up again. Uh, except, well, it, actually, the, the girl, the young girl, does get mentioned again. But, okay, so we get this scene. <laughs> for now, a psychic grandma, you'd think that she would have been warned, like, you know, if you're going to go for a drive, don't, don't open well, the fucking door. At first, I thought that this was going to be, like, holy shit, is this going to be, like, you know, the, uh, the psychic lady from Poltergeist? Is she going to be, like, you know, this version? And then I'm thinking, like, well, this movie came before Poltergeist. Well, holy shit. Is she going to be the one to confront, like, you know, the villain? Uh, is this where Poltergeist yeah, old got old magic. Its... Yeah, old good magic versus old bad magic. Exactly. But, uh, no, doesn't come back, no, other than, like, you know, the teaching him to not be afraid, like, the, the fear lesson, that's the only thing that was relevant. Um, and then, like, I'm like, well, they were just scamming him anyway, like, good con, because, like, you know, they're laughing at him after he leaves. And, um... Doesn't the grandmother even say like, "Oh, how much long? How how many more? Or how many more times are you going to do this to him, or something like that?" Yeah, it's just biz- like it is but, out of place and unexplained. But then the young girl goes to the uh, goes to the funeral home because like, why did she go to the funeral home? I assume the old lady would have sent her like tell like tell them like join them. They need your help. Yeah, but except. She didn't provide it any help. All of a sudden, it's just like, they. we see them, Mike leaves the uh, the fortune teller's house, and they're laughing and, you know, kind of like saying, like, 
gives you the idea that this was just a con, and then all of a sudden it goes like a couple of scenes later, and this young girl is going to the funeral home, like sneaking around. So it makes me think that something got again bad editing. That something got edited out <laughs> that would make this make sense. And she sneaks around, and then she opens the door and screams, and it cuts away. We don't see, never see, she never shows up in the movie again, except that. Uh, Towards Reggie, the end, Reggie shows up and says, Reggie I sent shows them up. Home. It's like, yeah, I found, uh, I can't remember their names, but two of their friends that get taken by the dwarves. I found them and a bunch of other girls in uh, in a room and let them go, including the the uh, the uh, the fortune teller's granddaughter. Yeah, it would have been great if we saw that. Yeah, so, or did they, you know, because this was being filmed over weekend, did they have her, like, did she, did something come up and she wasn't able to film anymore or something? So, <laughs> so we have to say she did it. Yeah. It's like, um, editor's note, Poochie died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the equivalent of that. <laughs> Holograms died on way back from funeral home. Yeah, so that whole, the whole, like I said, like, I think that was something that, was going to be explored further and it just got botched into editing. And it would have made much more sense if they just cut that, you know, it didn't make any sense anymore. Just cut that whole thing with involving the fortune teller, chop it completely. Yeah. Uh, another, I think like the last bet I have before I just go into like, I got questions that don't really have opinions on them, but you know, the last thing I didn't like was, uh, when Mike goes into the world, like the red world, and sees the, uh, you know, dwarves from Mars. And they're not really doing anything. They're just, like, standing in a straight line like they're waiting to get food or something. And he's telling them, like, oh, it's slave labor. And I'm like... How did you get that from that? Yeah, they're waiting in line. For all you know, they were probably getting some ice cream. Or getting their paycheck. Who yes. like you're you're assuming a lot. He sees, and then he calls the hellscape their planet after he's uh, after we ha- he has uh, he has ascertained that like it's their buddy Tom. Like it's people from the funeral home are being modified into these things. So it's not their planet. Their planet is Earth because they are people from Earth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my only note there is when, you know, he gets a glimpse of, uh, goes through the portal and gets a glimpse of what's going on on the uh, the other planet. He comes back and it's like, they're taking people from here and it's their planet. They're being used as slave labor. They crush them down, like, uh, they make them smaller because the gravity is so much stronger. And I'm like, how the fuck are you getting this from anything you just saw? <laughs> what? Yeah, you think, like, if the gravity is that bad, like, it will crush them. He should have been, like, on the ground, like, you know, act like he's heavy and 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 can't stand up. And if that's what you need to survive on that planet, then why the fuck is the tall man so fucking tall? Exactly! Why the fuck? How the... Yes, exactly! If you have to be short to survive on a hot, heavy planet, why the fuck is the tall, skinny bastard... Is that why he left? And if so, why does he have? Why does he want anything to do with that shitty world? Exactly. Ah, uh, so many answers we needed. Yeah, yeah. I'm re- I'm done with the bad. If you are, I'm, I'm just I'm just ready bad. for like, questions. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like I said, we're shitting on a on a 
a low-budget movie that was filmed over, you know, two years worth of weekends. <laughs> like, you can't be too too harsh on it, but, I mean, that's kind of what we do. We need to, whether it's uh, nitpicking or whatever like that, you know, we point out the good and the bad, and you make your decision about the movie. But, uh, yeah, there's confusing things. Um, and now here's the part of the show where Mike thinks way too much about something. Yeah, okay, <laughs> let's go. Okay. At the beginning of the movie, we get to see this world, this girl awkwardly fucking an ugly biker dude. And then as she stabs him, she's still like on top of him. And then she seamlessly morphs into the old man, which means is the biker's penis now inside the man? <laughs> he morphed back into a man without getting off the biker. That penis is, needs to be accounted for. You think it would be severed, and the cowboy and the, and the biker dude would be screaming. Right. Now, according to something that I looked up, is that... Um, no, it's not like a... Uh, it, it, the tall man is not morphing into this girl. She's just a projection. Like, kind of like, you know, like if... if uh, a mental projection of the tall man. Well, you say that, but she's there. Yeah. It's not like she disappears and he's, like, nearby. Because that would that, that would make sense to me. Yeah, but if this uh, guy was fucking someone that wasn't there, that's fine. But she stabs him, so like she can hold a okay. knife. Think of like okay, okay, think of it this way: um, a mental version of the Star Trek's holodeck. Okay, yeah, fine. And the tall man would be the holodeck projectors. I Fuck, get that. I sound like a fucking geek right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I finally brought you to my level. Oh, fuck. Give me that. It took, 90, epi- it took 90 episodes, but Jesus. I turned you around. <laughs> oh, my God. Now you're becoming a projection of me. <laughs> I might as well have, like, you know, just put on the glass and like, well, here's what really happened. Actually. Actually. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Just a thought, Reggie looks like a combination of Dean Norris or Uncle Hank from Breaking Bad if he merged in a teleporter accident with Clint Howard. <laughs> and I oh, uh, got an, and, a uh, note I forgot Clint to delete. Howard, Clint Howard, hmm? one of his, you know, horror movies he's known for, Ice Cream Man. Oh, shit, symmetry. Mm-hmm. Do you think Clint Howard took inspiration from Reggie? Thinking, like, fuck, if this guy can I nail it with that look? I Clint Howard took inspiration from Ron Howard getting hit in the face with a brick. <laughs> you think with all the money he makes from acting, he'd fix some of that. Oh, my God. He is hard to look at. Look how much money his brother has. Just say, like, dude, please, can you just, you know, give me enough cash to f- do something with this? <laughs> I don't have your hair and I don't have your face. Can you at least give me something for these teeth, please? Yeah. I'll move I'll move cameras and shit. I'll I'll work for it. Uh uh another question. Isn't pressing the cap on a bullet or a shell how it gets fired from a gun, i.e. vis-a-vis an explosion? Um I said while he was doing this, while he was inserting the uh thumbtack into it, I'm like, do that very slowly. <laughs> No, he just like takes the shell and pounds it into the tack. Yeah, won't wedging that push the cartridge, put the tap, put the cap down a bit. That's how they boom. That's how they boom. Yeah, but it's still it has to be a bit of like a bit of uh, force. Like it has to be a bit of a like you do it slowly, you're fine. I, I think like if you were going to do that, you would take the whole you would take the base off, 
like remove the cap from the powder, put that in, and then put everything back. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the logistics of how to make it the best way to make a small explosive device. Thank you very much. To make an exploding hammer. Um, Great for taking out doors. The only thing that I've seen like similar to that was, of course, because I came from like a small fucking redneck town where you could get away with doing anything. And uh, a childhood friend of mine, we were just like, just fucking around the beach and he he found a shotgun shell. And it's like somebody obviously was doing some hunting or something, dropped it in her pocket. And it's fine. It's like it wasn't there long, even though it's like on a on a beach. It hadn't had any rust or anything like that. Someone was hunting jellyfish. <laughs> and um, so he decides that, okay, so, of course, like all of us kids, we had, uh, we had air rifles, you know, BB guns. Um, he decides that he's going to take the shotgun shell... Duct tape it to the front, the, the barrel, the tip of his BB gun. <laughs> I'm going to fire a BB gun into the explosive part of a shell. Yeah. So what happens when you do this? Because, you know, the reason why, like, how, like, the whole physics of a gun is that it's in a contained chamber, so it shoots in one direction, right? It just spreads, goes, shoots <laughs> The only place it can. Out. Exactly. It's only got one exit port, and it, you know, the explosion has, propels it out, whatever. Um... When it's just in the open air like that, duct tape to the tip of a gun, it's just going to explode. Yeah, when it explodes... It's not in any general direction. It's not just a fireball. There's also pieces of plastic from the cartridge itself. Yeah. They have to go somewhere. We literally had, like, welts on our body where we got struck by, like, (laughs) fucking, like, the the fucking... Because it doesn't have enough force. Like, it's not coming out with a... Like I said, because it's not contained, so it's not going to have, like... Nearly, it's gonna have it's gonna have oh. fraction of the force an actual gunshot, real gunshot would. Still right? plastic shrapnel. Plastic shrapnel and the lead shots like hit us as well, and like enough <laughs> to like bruise skin, like it it broke skin in places. A BB gun assault. I was standing behind it and got some like to the face. <laughs> it's like at that point, it's a mini grenade, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's just it's just exactly it's just it's just a tiny bomb. Yeah, so it's, uh, <sighs> you want to see two guys, <laughs> even even with the pain we were feeling, you want to see two kids vacate that area real fast. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then my last question was, it was all a dream. Uh, what, not? Yeah, exactly. That's what I said earlier about, like, got me with a trope and then said, nope, it's not that trope, it's this trope. It was all a dream, but everything terrible and menacing is still existing. Yeah. So Ugh. we get like, yeah, the, oh, it's all a dream because they actually take care of the tall man. You know, it's victory. And Mike wakes up and it's all just a dream. He, yeah, but it's a weird dream because in the, in, in the movie we see Reggie gets killed by lavender tits. <laughs> and then like the brother ends up pushing a, a ton, a probable actual ton of boulders yeah. off a hill. To knock the thin man into a mine shaft. And he's giving him like a thumbs up like, yeah, good thing you waited while I had this massive pile of boulders that I can throw. <laughs> it was like, good thing good thing you're not like just a second slower, Mike, because you would have, <laughs> your brother would have crushed you with a giant boulder. 
and also that these boulders all rolled into the place I needed them to rather than, you know, do what actual lopsided devices, yeah. what actual lopsided shapes will do when going down a hill and go wherever the fuck they want. My only note for that is, are you, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> all I know is that with with his knowledge and intuition of uh, wobble physics, he would dominate at Plinko. <laughs> I put down, are you fucking kidding me right now? It's like, we, in this movie so far, we've seen flying death spears, um, dead people getting shrunk into dwarfs for to, go, to serve as slaves on an alien planet, and this is the most unrealistic thing <laughs> we've encountered yet. Throwing foam boulders like it ain't shit. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that, you, you know in his defense, those foam boulders looked good. <laughs> They weren't bad. They weren't certainly not the worst. I've seen, I've seen foam boulders in movies where they're rolling, they actually start to come apart, and you can see, like, the white foam inside. So <laughs> I can't complain about these. They're not bad. Uh, but, yeah, so Mike wakes up to uh, this was all a dream, and sharing a house, like, Reggie's looking after him. And yeah, jo- yeah, Jody's dead, apparently. Jody is dead, and this all a dream, and, uh, you know, he's pretty upset, and... Reggie's trying to comfort him, and oh my god, it gets... They get uncomfortably close for a second. Yeah, like, I... It, it looked for a second like Reggie was grooming Mike. I... My notes say right here at one point, please don't start making out. Please don't start making out. Please don't start making out. Because <laughs> that's... Honestly, it looked like that's what they were moving into. Oh god, like... I was just like, please let this be like an actual fraternal bonding moment, like between two friends who, due to circumstances, must become close. Like, please let it be just that. Their please faces, don't let don't let this be Reggie. Don't let this be Reggie's big moment, please. Their faces please. got way too close, and Reggie is like literally like grabbing onto Mike's hair. I'm like, yeah. oh boy, this is. L- Luckily, it's just a nice forehead hug. Yeah. And uh, they decided to go on the road, and this one we see Reggie, you know, gets into his uh, jam session by himself. (laughs) Tries to outdo the music score. (laughs) (laughs) And Mike goes upstairs to pack a bag, and he says, let's go on the road for, go throw a bag together. We're going to go on the road for a couple weeks. Mike literally goes upstairs and puts, like, two pairs of socks and a t-shirt into a bag. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be an uncomfortable couple of weeks, dude. (laughs) <laughs> and then I realized nobody has actually changed their clothes throughout the entire movie, which has taken place over a couple of weeks, I think. So, <laughs> and then the tall thin man is just like, "Hello." Yes, we get oh the oh it's just a dream trope, and then the oh the no it's actually real, and um, you know it ends on the ending that's not an ending. Yeah, where Mike gets pulled into the mirror dimension because now mirrors are a dimension. Yeah. So, and that's how it ends, so you know there's going to be a Phantasm too. but good fucking luck finding it. Yeah. You won't find it on Shudder, at least, not anymore. <laughs> and you won't even find Mike in it. No. Mike is in it, um, just uh, being played by a different actor. <laughs> wow. And you don't get Phantasm two until, um, what, almost ten years later. 1988, so yeah, like uh, nine years after uh, the release of Phantasm. Yeah, and apparently Mike gets pulled into the mirror dimension, which, uh, from what I see on Wikipedia, is a uh, mental asylum? Yeah, it's... Um, terrible? 
things get explained. I, I'm hoping things, some things will get explained. <laughs> oh, well, that's another time. Yeah. But we're just about done with this. We pretty much are, except for one thing that, uh, I, honestly, like, usually I have at least, I have an idea about what you're going to pick, or there's one that I'm hoping for. This one, I have no idea what you're going to choose. Uh, well, I think I've got, uh, I was pretty well decided right off the bat as soon as I found my kill of the week. And that was simply the juicer death of the unknown skipper. Because, <laughs> again, we, we see a guy who's cosplaying as the skipper from Gilligan's Island, who works at the funeral home, and you'd think that he would be one of the guys, like, he's working with the alien, but apparently not because he gets juiced so badly. And you know that if they were controlled by the by the by the tall man, and he and he was working with this guy, he would have stopped right off the bat as soon as they clamped on. Yeah. Oh but no. Fuck he's, dude. He, any any port in the storm is good for this guy because he he the, the drill just goes right into his head, and you see blood just spraying the fuck out of this guy. I thought we were going to be treated to like. A skin suit on the floor mm-hmm. with all the blood gone. Like, again, why, why, why remove all the blood? Do you need the skin and bones? Because if you need the blood, you did not. You did a terrible job of containing it. Yeah, it's like somebody designed these fucking uh, uh, death orbs and actually put an asshole on it. <laughs> well, like you got to put the blood somewhere. Jesus, this seems like it just seems like unnecessary. Okay, like you know, you just stuck two fucking forks in the guy's forehead and then put a drill into his brain. I don't think you, the blood's gonna find a way out. You didn't need to make an actual channel for it. Yeah, because just in case drilling the brain doesn't do it, you got to make sure to bleed them out really efficiently. Yeah, and like actually spurt it too, just like not a salt stream. Oh no, we get to see some fucking pressure on this shit. Like, a good halfway down the long haul. Oh, it shoots far. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh, man. So, yeah. No, I, can't, I couldn't find a, a kill one. better than that. Reggie getting Reggie getting poked at the end by the girl he was trying to rescue was not great. And uh, The girl he was trying to poke. <laughs> and the, uh, the, the girls who may or may not be killed. No, off-screen deaths are not going to get a thing from me. Well, they didn't get killed anyway because Reggie says he found them. <laughs> you know, we're just going to have to take his word for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, good choice. I don't know what else you would go with either. That would actually, now that I think about it, that would have to be the one. Okay. Well, you think I'm going to give it to the Jawa? I mean, yeah, he died. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even see over the steering wheel. Of course he died. Jesus. All right, guys, so that is Phantasm. Um, overall, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'd recommend it to anybody. Like it, like we said, we talked about it. It's got its problems, but overall, uh, definitely deserves it. I, I'm happy with it having its, like, uh, its classic horror rep. So definitely check that one out if you haven't. And uh, if you have, what do you think of it? We want to know. So you got a few options for getting in contacting uh, contact with us, not just to tell us your opinion of Phantasm or, you know, if you had some disagree with us on some points or want to talk about some points we missed, or if you have a recommendation for a movie you want us to cover in a future episode, you can go ahead and email us at graveyardshiftpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at GYS underscore horrorpod. 
on Facebook at facebook.com slash the graveyard shift pod and on um, Instagram, instagram.com slash the graveyard shift pod. If you're feeling particularly generous, you know, like if you made a low budget horror movie that earned you $12 million and you're looking for a place to spend it, then you can head on over to patreon.com slash graveyard. Um, there for as little as $1 a month, you get to help us out with the production costs of the show and you get the instant gratification of getting access to some Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes. These are available just to our paying Patreon members. Um, we do those differently, these episodes differently than we do with the regular feed. Instead of just covering like the good and bad parts of a movie, we do a full synopsis. Sometimes we do things other than movies, like we'll cover some horror-based TV shows, video games, do top ten lists, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so check those out. But, of course, we totally understand that not everyone has the money to give us money, but you can still help us out a ton by going on to iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. In the long run, that's probably what would help us out the most, so that's greatly appreciated. And if you follow us on social media, you can give us a rating there, too. Share us with your friends um, or even share it by word of mouth. Like, if you know some people that would be... Uh, completely cool with listening to guys talk about horror movies. Let them know about us. Um, Mike, other than the Graveyard Shift, what else you got going on? Well, I've got the Playing With Power podcast where we talk about Nintendo Power Magazine. We are currently covering 1997, which is the year of the N64. Unfortunately, so far this year has no particularly, uh, imp- no particularly impressive launch titles and no Super Nintendo games. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, so not great. Mm -hmm. Then I've got the taste test where we play Balloon Fight on Groundhog Day. (laughs) And then there's the Tech Chatter podcast where me and Reg talk about tech news, devices, breakthroughs, things that will change the world or destroy it. And we try to throw a little good news in there to lighten things up. And then there's also the Schlock Chatter podcast, which I keep announcing, but doesn't get released yet for reasons like... uh... Because I'm fucking suing you guys' asses for stealing my idea, that's why. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we plagiarize everything, including a (laughs) co-host. Right, and it's certainly not because of developmental problems on our end. Mike, you're you're the only part of that podcast that has development problems, Mike. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's only funny because it's painfully true. <laughs> and then there's also the uh, project that I've been working on for several months, which hasn't, which barely got started, but gears are turning slowly, so uh, my Ooh. ambitions are becoming realized. Cool. Yep. So stay tuned for that. I am intrigued. So basically, everybody, what Mike is saying is that if you've listened to a podcast, Mike probably had some involvement with it. He's the Tom Savini of podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and uh, before I go, I didn't mention this in the episode, and uh, I couldn't do it in the intro like I normally do, but this uh, Phantasm was actually recommended by a couple people. Uh, Glenn P. and Karen S. both recommended it on our Facebook page, so... uh, they certainly weren't the first people that told me I need to watch this, but they were the first people to do it through the official uh, podcast channels. <laughs> so 
I got to give them credit for it. So thanks, guys, for the suggestion. And uh, like I said, if you got any suggestions about a movie you want us to do in the future, then you know how to do it now. Um, and we're going to be back again next week with another horror movie to cover. Until then, I'm Sheldon. And I'm Mike. And thank you again for joining us on The Graveyard Shift. Ha 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 